Rodney Jane here. At Bob Jane T-Marts, our sizzling summer deals start early with a free Weber barbecue when you buy four selected Bridgestone jeweler or a Lenser tyres. Buy three and get the fourth tyre free on Bridgestone, Goodyear, Yokohama and Dunlop. And up to $100 instant cashback on top tyre brands like Michelin, Goodyear, Zenon and Motorsport X. All with our best tyre price guarantee. We'll look after you. T's and C's apply. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag. This is a suspended uh, race. Hey, this is the Parked Up Podcast. We're powered by Race Fuels. My name is Grant Rowley. We have another big week of motorsports coming up. The Super Cheap Auto Bathurst International is finally going to be here. And uh, I've got a cool episode uh, coming up. I've got a very, very good looking man, Richard Crail on here to help me preview the inaugural Bathurst International. Also got a, a chat with Carl Cox. He loves his motorsport. Uh, he loves making music and we grabbed him for a bit of a chat just recently. But look, let's talk Bathurst International first. Richard, we have been trying to get this event up for three years. It's finally happening. It's happening in a couple of days. How you going? Oh, good. Thanks for having me on. Nice to be back on Parked Up. Uh, and yeah, it's been the most frustrating Bathurst event ever, I think, this in that it's never happened. And it's had the promise of so many good things over the years, but we've never quite got to the point of executing it. So I'm looking forward to just getting there and getting this one in the books and getting it done. And there's a, a couple of good storylines, I think, across the board worth talking about. Yeah, yeah, plenty plenty going on. And uh, I guess the uh, the big one is the Super Cheap Auto TCR Australia Series. Super Cheap Auto just basically putting their names and stickers all over everything uh, up there, including the uh, front, uh, front straight bridge. So um, blast from the past, Richard, you might say, seeing those, uh, those logos across there. But TCR, we've got uh, so many other categories. Uh, you'll be calling for Stan Sport. Uh, over the weekend, you've got a. Uh, let's just talk about you first. Let's talk about Richard. Uh, you got a huge day, huge day on Sunday. Like you're broadcasting for nine hours or uh, ten hours or something like that. Actually, it's probably nothing compared to a Bathurst twelve hour, is it? No, everything's easy after Bathurst twelve hour. Uh, but my personal day Sunday is significant because there's that three hour chunk of GT race in the middle of it, which I'm quite looking forward to doing, and then. Uh, straight after that is an S5000 demonstration, which will be good fun. And then the final TCM race. And just before the three-hour GT race is the, the penultimate TCM race. So you get quite a big block of me. And then <laughs> your day's bookended by uh, Gregory Rust and Matthew Nolte doing a bit of uh, their finest work in TCR action. So, yeah, it's a good day. Looking forward to it. Um, I, I just enjoy the spread of categories that we've got, GR, and... Um, you know, my love for GT racing and with the 12 hour and, and any longer GT race at Mount Panorama has storylines. And while the field isn't massive this weekend, it wasn't massive for the 12 hour either. And we still got a pretty good car race. So I'm, I'm buoyed by that with GT World Challenge this weekend that I think we're going to have quite a good race. And there's some good names popping up like a Tim Slade coming back with Brad Schumacher, who's one of the fastest AMs. Both Triple Eight cars will be fast. Um, Jordan Love joining Ross Palakis is a real good get for the race as a whole because mm-hmm. he adds a, a great degree of excitement. And and I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if if that car's the fastest AMG of the lot with Jordan's recent experience in those cars relative to to young Brock Feeney and to Jamie Winkup, of course. Um, yeah, you just you just get a really good mix. Like Robbo driving with Mark Sini is going to be good fun. Like, that's just a good, fun combination that probably won't win the race, but they could surprise and Caruso could put the thing near the front in quality. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And, and I'm, I love how those races play out over the duration and you, you get to that final 45 minutes and everyone's made their final stop and everyone's got a full tank of fuel and um, you get that sprint to the flag. And I, I can't see this being any different because there's five or six really good cars that could win it. Yeah, plenty. You uh, you missed out Jack Smith there, who's making his did, GT yep. debut. Uh, so that'll be kind of cool to see. Uh, we haven't seen him drive anything other than 
a supercar and he's uh, there's a lot of knockers out there but i guess i'm really interested to see how he might go in some incredibly different equipment around a track that he knows very well yeah 100% and he he did race open wheelers so he did a bit of formula 4 action as well before he moved into the kumo series as it was at the time so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Actually, that's a pretty good combo. Tim Miles has done a lot of running in an Audi R8, and he ran the full GT Series with uh, Jackson Evans in an R8 a couple of seasons ago before focusing on Career Cup. So as an AM driver, he'll be quite quick. So yeah, it's a good combo. And yeah, that'll be another good storyline to to see how that plays out. But as always with GT racing, there's, there's stories within a story. One of my favorite cars that's only recently emerged is the KTM crossbow gt2 that uh dave crampton and trent harrison are running and that raced at the 12 hour and that thing's a bit of a weapon so it's the only car in its class so if they get to the line they'll get a trophy but i like seeing how that goes up against the gt3 cars and that's going to be a, a real wild card and then even gt4 there's only two cars but they've had some really good battles this year between mark griffith and nash morris in uh, griffo's car and then the harold's entry with Chris Batsios and Sam Brabham. And can you believe that Sam Brabham's never raced at Mount Panorama before? It, yeah. it's, it just seems like that name should have had experience there, but he's never raced there. So, um, But they've been inseparable across the last three rounds of the, the GT World Challenge sprint season. So there's no reason to expect why that won't be the case as well. So only two cars, but it should still be a pretty entertaining little battle. Yeah, cool. Well, um, the uh, only other thing that I'd like to bring up about GT racing is the person who's going to be sitting next to you in the commentary box, and mm. it's usually Michael Caruso, but it won't be Michael Caruso because he's actually in the race, and mm. uh, you guys have rolled out Andrew Jones to uh, put the uh, put the headsets back on, pull up the microphone, and get back into it. He's, um, I guess he came in as a commentator about 2018 i think it was and uh and and very quickly entrenched himself in the supercars coverage um he went on tour with the supercars guys in 2020 when we were having covids and border skippings and uh looked like he'd really found his home but he wasn't in the 2022 commentary lineup or the 2021 commentary lineup uh i really rate him as a uh, as a caller he um he certainly knows his stuff he's he's been there and done that in uh at the top form of the sport here in australia and i think he'll be a, a good new addition to the stan sport lineup he's a great communicator and that's all you need and and he has an eloquent way of explaining the sport and how it plays out and you mentioned his supercar TV days and where he was really good was in pit lane and explaining what was going on. If something was broken or something was being changed on a car or what a new tire would do, that was where he was at his best. So I'm really looking forward to working with, with he and Gregory for the, uh, for the long race where I think it'll be good fun. And we've got the full team in pit lane across the course of that. So you know, if we don't get to every driver in that field over the course of the three hours, I'll be disappointed, but <laughs> um yeah, I, I'm looking forward to working with Andy. He's just—he's a lovely human being, Grant. Like he's just one of the yep. nicest blokes you'll ever meet, too, and that just makes the job so much easier. Yeah, cool. Well, I think he was going there anyway to help Jack Smith. With Jack uh, Smith, yes. That, yep. Yeah, so he plays a big role in his uh, racing career, and and it, yeah, he was going anyway. So I think when Andrew Jansen called him and said, "Hey, we might need an extra caller." Um, to replace Caruso because we're going to miss him for half of the mm. uh, broadcast window. Uh, he he was uh, he was straight into it, and Jano would have loved it because he didn't have to pay extra accommodation. That exactly was already right. sorted. So good for the budget. <laughs> absolute win there. Well done, Jano. Uh, okay, cool. That's um, we've spoken about GTs. Uh, let's talk about TCR Australia. Title comes down to the wire. Only forty odd points between Tony D'Alberto and a very, very hungry pack, uh, which which is um, loaded full of your Jordan Coxes, your Will Browns, your Josh Buckins, uh, Jay Hansen. There's experienced drivers. There's young up-and-comers. There's new cars in the mix. There's uh, quite a bit to talk about there. Yeah, it is. It's been a good season. And I found one thing very interesting. So we spoke to Ben Barguana 
on our podcast, Grant, called On The Grid, which oh, I right. suggest everyone goes and listens to directly after finishing this. Thank you. Um, and do all the like and subscribe stuff that you can do. But he, he was saying to us on The Grid that he was ranked, I think he said 84th in that TCR Global Drivers ranking. And he was like, but I'm only seven positions behind Jordan Cox in the championship. And he was 10th. So he was like, I'm using that as momentum and and motivation to fire me up. So I thought that was really interesting. And I, I, I like that. I like that, that, um, that impetus to base yourself against the world's best in TCR racing to try and push yourself forward. But it's been a good championship. I'm really looking forward to, I'm looking forward to seeing an unfiltered Jordan Cox throwing everything at it because he's second, but he's really got nothing to lose. The margin is big enough to Tony D'Alberto out in front that Tony would have to have a properly bad weekend to not win the title. Now, you wouldn't want to wish that on him, but what I think yep. it will do is it's going to push Coxie especially to do great things. And we know his track record is outstanding and he's been so close to a couple of big breakthroughs this year in TCR racing, but hasn't quite got there. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do and have a, um, have a really big dip at it because I think that just adds spice to that title showdown. And it's got the potential to be a really good battle uh, all the way to the checkered flag between both he, but also Will Brown, who's not that far behind Josh Bucken, who's in the mix uh, you know, Zach Suter, fifth in the championship. I think if you'd canvassed the field before the start of the year and said, oh, Zach's going to be fifth going into the final round, with fullest of respect to Zach, I don't think many people would have agreed with you. So there's a few wild cards in there as well that I really like. But there's a there's a Dalberto v. Cox v. Brown narrative that I think can play out this weekend that I think could be good fun and ultimately come down to that final race on Sunday afternoon. Ooh, I don't know if Tony D is going to be happy to hear all of those things. I think he just wants to just um, ease his way through the race weekend and collect a few points and take the trophy at the end. I've spoken to him a couple of times uh, during the week. I asked him to come on the pod. Of course, he said no. He's um, very much in race race mode. He did promise he would come on the pod, though, if he wins the title. If he doesn't win the title, I'm just going to have to find somebody else. <laughs> well, just lift the grabs from the broadcast and use it. But yeah, uh, yeah. So look, Tony, Tony D, excellent year, uh, super consistent. Has led, I think, since the end of round two mm. or round three at worst, and has really just uh, chipped his way through. Hasn't had the fastest car on every occasion. When he did have the fastest car at Queensland Raceway, he took two wins, stamped his claim on the title. Had a little bit of those points uh, clipped back off him after a penalty for a, a non-track incident with Bailey Sweeney at the most recent round at Sandown. Last time the Honda went to Bathurst, it wasn't the fastest and he was around about that 6th, 7th, 8th. I don't know if that's going to be enough. With these, there's uh, an extra 50% points on top of what the regular points are. So it's not quite double round. It's a uh, round and a half which they're using for this round of TCR. I don't know if uh, he's not going to be able to cruise and collect. And I'll tell you what, he, he's not going to cruise and collect anyway, even if um, uh, even if he does have the fastest car or if the championship's wrapped up. He has uh, said numerous times on this podcast and anywhere that these cars are incredibly hard to drive. And he hops out of these things uh, with more of a red face and more of a drain than doing a a co-driver stint in the Shell V Power uh, supercar, which is so, great, which is great, and but we don't want him to cruise and collect, do we? We we I'm sure he does, and I, uh, I guess my point is I don't think he can. I don't think the no, points no you're points right. Margin he, is he enough. He's going to have to wring the neck of that thing to stay in contention, and it's going to be a race by race thing. And and if he comes out of race one. And let's say Jordan Cox gets a win, because I think the Peugeot's going there with pretty handy BOP as well. I think they've had some adjustments that favour them going into this round as well. So if he goes in there having finished sixth or seventh in race one, and that 40-odd point championship lead is now 20, you have to change your tack. You can't just afford to sit there and accumulate. You have to go on the attack. And from a show point of view, that adds heaps to what we're trying to do from TV. Makes his life a whole lot more stressful <laughs> but what we want from a, a pure show point of view and i'm sorry to tony for this but we want a title decided that goes down to that final race and 
yeah, that that could end up being the way it goes. And the people have led championships by bigger margins than Tony have and not won them. So I wouldn't want to wish that on your best mate or your worst enemy. But yeah, I, I think it's very much gloves off for TCR, which which is fantastic and, and it deserves. The year it's had, Grant, has been great. I think, I think TCR has come of age this year in, in terms of its just the maturity of the competition and, and how good the racing's been at every round. So it deserves a good showdown. It would be really, while it'd be great for Tony, it'd be frustrating for everybody else who's watched it if it all got wrapped up in race one and it was all over. Because this championship season deserves a really good epic style showdown to put that full stop on what's been a really good year for the category. And it has done wonders for TCR's reputation in Australia as a legitimate, professional, highly competitive, world-class racing category, which it is. Yeah. Now, look, I'm not very good at math, Richard. However, I did do some math and I figured out that the title can't be wrapped up in the first race anyway. So we'll definitely come down to Sunday regardless of what happens. Uh, So, uh, yeah, all to play for. Uh, A a really cool international driver coming in. Teddy Claret is going to drive the fifth GRM uh, Peugeot. Oddly, I believe the car is going to be in that Australia boxing kangaroo wrap that they did for Aaron Cameron at Sandown to launch his thing. So weird that we'll have a Frenchman driving a boxing kangaroo Peugeot around um, Bathurst. Very GRM, you might say. It is extremely GRM, isn't it? Welcome to Australia. We'd probably need to draw on a Noonan-style uh, genius to work this out. Is he the first driver called Teddy to race at Bathurst? Ooh. Um, surely. Surely. Mm. I mean, I think a few uh, a few rivals of other drivers have called people Teddy around, but <laughs> I don't know if it was super complimentary. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, cool to, cool to have him come. He, um, he kind of pantsed uh, Aaron Cameron over at Paul Ricard recently. Now, mm. for clarification, Aaron's car wasn't uh, performing at its absolute best all the way through the race weekend. But uh, I think he he certainly proved that he showed against um, our driver that he he's more than a match. Bathurst is a, a completely different beast. Uh, Aaron's certainly got runs on the board there. He's taken three wins at Mount Panorama in TCR cars. He knows, his, knows the way to to pedal those things around there. So I think it'll be good, uh, a, a good little wild card and a great little small piece of international flavor to, uh, to throw into the mix because we there's not a heap of internationals, but there's a couple. Let's move on to Trans Am where we do have an, an American coming out, just like we had Nathan Hearn go over and compete over at uh, circuit of the Americas uh, just last weekend, finished fourth. We've got uh, a young kid, 18 year old, Robert Noaker who is going to come and race one of the Dream Racing Australia entries. He'll be in a Chev Camaro-bodied car. So, yeah, American in Trans Am at Mount Panorama. That's pretty cool. And I hope it leads to more in the future. And, And look, that was the original intention when this event was launched uh, in 2019, and of course, it got kiboshed twice with COVID and everything going on, and international travel remains extremely difficult at this point. Not difficult, but expensive at this point. Uh, and, and the original ambition was that a whole host of TA2 runners from Trans Am in America would come down and run with us, which would be great. So hopefully this is the first of many, because there's a real potential for a cracking fight Australia versus USA showdown to build on the years of both drag racing and speedway, which have done that Mm. extremely well over the years. Mm -hmm. So world series sprint cars would always be Australia v USA. The Yanks would come over and run, you know, top field drag racing has been the same. We've never really had that in circuit racing here. Um, This is the opportunity for that to be a thing. And and I, that would be awesome. And imagine a host of, of Yanks coming down to run, our Trans Am cars out of the TA2 or the Trans Am, the top spec cars that run over there in the USA. And um, it was cool to see Matty Brabs driving one of those cars. Boris said was there. It's a, it's a good championship and they're, they're pretty wild racing cars. So yeah, look, I hope it, I hope it builds into something grant this event from that side of things and opening up 
international racing from other parts of the world. Like we get plenty of Euros down here to run, which is great. Bath is 12 hours full of them. Even the 1000s history is full of Europeans coming, but we haven't had much of a US crossover. So I'd love to see more of that happen at this event and it's the event where it can happen with with these cars and these drivers so hopefully that's the thing the big story is can anyone beat nathan hearn in the trans am 100 this weekend unlikely unlikely it it seems that way doesn't it because he is just in um imperious form and did a really good job at coda despite some damage on that car to come through and finish fourth and um almost get himself on the podium which was a really impressive drive despite rally almost not getting there because he got to the gold coast to race s5000 and was Mm -hmm. departing straight from brisbane after that event but rocked up on the gc and uh remembered his passport was sitting on his bedside table back at home so he had to get the roommate on the phone and fly him up to the gold coast so his roommate got a nice little jaunt on the gc for the weekend to watch nathan running s5000 at someone else's expense uh just so he could deliver his passport so nathan could go and do it so it's probably lucky he went over and actually did a very, very good job, as we all expected he would, um, to sort of pay his mate back for that one. But Yeah, good for his mate's frequent flyer points, totally. that's for sure. Yeah. And suntan if he got to spend a couple of days up there. God, it was hot. It was, it was so hot up there. Hot. Yeah, how, do they, how do people live up that part yeah, of the world? No, I'm more concerned about the sun being bright at 4 o'clock in the morning, but that's that a, is, another podcast. A, it is a drama. Uh, okay, so look, if if Nathan, Nathan Hearn's definitely the favourite, I'll tell you the one that I like, there are a couple of really good uh, contenders in the field, but the one that I like is Benny Grice. Uh, showed some good form at Bathurst in the Trans Ams over the uh, past couple of times that we've <clears> been there. Uh, if he can just string together a little bit of, Luck, I think, is probably the uh, the bit that he's after. It's the only bit that he's after. Then, then quite possibly, he might be the one to uh, to upset the Hearn Apple Cart. And he does have this big, uh, big proud American scheme all over the front of his car. Correct. So that's a uh, that's a very good uh, international car that uh, international flavored car that would be uh, cool to see at the very top of the uh, Bathurst International. Of course, that's this weekend. Touring Car Masters, uh, Richard, it's the second last round, the penultimate round of the title. It looks like it's a a Tirana off between John Bow and Ryan Hansford. Can anyone get on top of those two? Well, I think they can. And so there's five points between them. So Ryan, uh, after the last round of the championship at Sandown, assumed the lead for the first time in his TCM career that he's led the series. So five points to the good of John Bauer now, which is great from a, a title showdown point of view. But we're going to Bathurst, and, and of any category in our sport where cubic inches play a role, it's TCM. And at Bathurst, you still need them. And the more you've got, the more likely you are to win in Touring Car Masters. So the man I'm looking for to have a very big weekend here is George Medici in the White Line Racing excuse me, Chevy Camaro. So he won the opening round, uh, very nice job at Sydney Motorsport Park, had some mechanical issues at round two, which cost him a heap of points. Was second last time out at Sandown behind his teammate, Adam Bressington. But he's not that far behind in the championship. And TCM has a lot of points up for grabs in any given weekend. So there's still 400 points up for grabs for the rest of the year. And he's only, I think, 65 or 70 off the series lead. And that Camaro was a rocket ship. So his first drive in that car was at Bathurst at the super duper Uber Bathurst 1000 um, conglomerate in December last year. That was his first drive in the car. And he was out in front, had a tire let go, unfortunately, but was out in front and on course to win that weekend. So I, I honestly think he goes in favorite this weekend. If you can pick one in TCM and if he pulls enough points out, uh, they then go to the Adelaide 500 in December where those white line cars have always been very good. And in fact, Adam Bressington won the last TCM round on the streets of Adelaide. So there's still a lot to play out. It's not a done thing, but this is the weekend where George needs to make hay. He really does. And use that extra grunt that the big Camaros got over the Tiranas, which aren't as quick going up and down the hill um, and try and draw as many points back out of Hansford and Bow that he possibly can. But how how good's the so it's Hansford, Bow and Mediki? Like yeah. This could be the great race in 1988. Like, yes. It's such a cool storyline. And then throw in with that Bressington, who's in great form in the other white line car. Um, Cameron Tilly 
is just doing awesome things in that Valiant Pacer, fresh from its rebuild after the crash uh, up in North Queensland. And then the other race up the sleeve this weekend is Stephen Johnson back on board in the Mustang Trans Am. He's got his eye in that car now. He understands it a little, little bit better. And he's the most successful TCM driver at Mount Panorama. And the other thing I'll throw in, Rowley, I know you love a stat. Yeah, so there's been 46 TCM races at Bathurst. So we should get number 50 by the time we get to Sunday, assuming we don't lose any. Uh, only eight have been won by cars of five litres or less. So there really is no substitute for cubic inches. So I'm thinking Johnson and Medici probably favourites with Bressington and Tilly. Uh, the other good stat is that Ford on 199 race wins in TCM history. They won the first ever race in the category. Brad Tilly at the Adelaide 500 in 2007. But they've been stranded on 199 since Bathurst in December last year when Stephen Johnson won race three in his XD Falcon. So uh, bringing up the double ton at Bathurst could be a thing. It could be a big story for TCM. So there's a lot of lot of things to play out in that category and really looking forward to their races. Richard, do you like TCM? I do. Do you know? Did you mm. get that impression? I got that vibe. Mm. Mm. I got that. It's a great That's, category. It is. It is a very good category. Uh, and we love it at the uh, as part of the speed series. Richard loves it more than life. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, if we're going to have a, a debate about which category I love more, we oh, haven't no. talked about the open wheelers yet, have we? So, <laughs> well, and uh, hey, excellent point. So, uh, untapped, unrestricted, the the uh, the S five thousand beasts will be able to basically do what they want and go for. Uh, a uh, outright lap time at Bathurst. There'll be two cars, James Golding and Cooper Webster. What time can these guys get down to? Unfortunately, no racing, just demonstrations and any lap time that is set there will will be simply unofficial. However, uh, I don't know if James Golding really is going to care too much about that. I think he's no. going to try and uh, obliterate any old lap record. But uh, I'm hearing 156s, 157s. Is that what these things are capable of? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and it, they're only the, the only asterisk I've got to it is they're only 15-minute sessions. And with the tyre these cars run, they produce their best – they're going to produce their best lap time about 20 minutes into this 15-minute session. So yeah. – It'll be last lap after the checkered flag uh, for the quickest time. And we saw even saw that on the Gold Coast uh, last week where they all did a really good job up there. Um, don't discount Cooper Webster either. He's almost as quick as Bieber is now in those cars. He's come along a lot, that young bloke for Versa Motorsport. Yeah, I, I've got a number pegged. At a, I think I picked a 56-2 was where I sort of settled on based on some of the theoreticals I saw from when we raced there last year, restricted and where the potential performance could come from. So they're already in the 59s, giving up about 90 horsepower compared to what they're going to run this weekend. So uh, it's yeah, an extra 100 horsepower is going to be worth at least two seconds, and then there's more time to find across the top. And the cars are better now than they were 12 months ago. There's been quite a few changes to the rear axle and rear suspension set up to make the cars behave a little bit better and, and make them a bit more benign to drive, which worked. Um, so that means they'll be able to get on it harder, quicker, at Bathurst and, and push on. So it's going to be good fun to see how that plays out. Are they going to let them use push to pass in the demonstration? Well, I, no, I don't think they need to because the push to pass actually just restricts the throttle percentage they can run. So uh, when they in qualifying and practice, they've been running full throttle. So on the Gold Coast and then in the race, when the push to pass is activated, it reduces it to 90%. So your push to pass is that extra 10% of throttle. So in non-racing conditions, there's no point in using it because it'll actually slow the cars down. Right. Um, it's designed to make the racing product better. Can't go to 105% or something. Well, That's you probably could, thing. but I think Roger Higgins and the boys at Innovate might not like that very much. <laughs> build the uh, very good. Hey, we're looking forward to the Bathurst International this weekend. Of course, there's also uh, the production car series. There is also the Bathurst Sports Car Challenge, which will include a bunch of uh, prototypes and radicals and a whole bunch of uh, cool cars from all corners of the globe. And of course, um, your very good friends at the Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge. There's a bit of a title on the line there as well with Tommy Sargent and Ryan Wood absolutely going at it hammer and tong. Tommy Sargent got a bit of a uh, advantage in the last 
round at the bend, but uh, hey, Bathurst, anything can happen up there. Well, and for both of those kids, their future's sorted, which I think is great because it, it will be elbows out now. There's there's nothing there's nothing for them to play for except wins and the championship now because Tommy's off to the States next year with McElroy Racing. Ryan Wood was this week announced as the Porsche Junior New Zealand shootout winner. So he's guaranteed a spot in Carrera Cup next season. He'll progress up. So it just takes any pressure they've got to deliver off outside of just trying to win races and win the championship. So 28 cars in the Porsches this weekend, which will be uh, really good. But, yeah, they're going to put on a show, I've got no doubt. Cool. Uh, Richard, thank you so much for joining us. There's more to come after this, but, mate, we'll – uh, see you up at Mount Panorama on uh, Wednesday, which is after this pod goes live. So I would have already seen you by this by the time this comes live. We would have high fived many times. Let's have a media center sweep for S five thousand lap time. What do you? I'm reckon? on board with that. I'm on board with that. I like it. I like it a lot. I've just thought Teddy's at Bathurst. Teddy Yip. Oh uh, yeah, Theodore Racing fame. I wonder if he ever. Race to Bathurst. Anyway, we report back on that on Parked Up next week. Sounds cuddly. I'll bring it up on On the Grid because we're out before you anyway. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, well, mate. everyone, uh, that's Richard Crail. And he, of course, he runs his uh, his big media conglomerate out of uh, South Australia. The, you can listen to On the Grid podcast uh, wherever you find Parked Up first and then On the Grid. Richard, we'll see you at Mount Panorama, mate. See you, mate. Hey, thanks, Richard, for coming on the Parked Up podcast. It's a bit of a podcast theme this one because uh, right now i've got a couple of other lads on the line they uh work with uh the mighty network are putting together the napa auto parts grassroots racing podcast i've got daz and gaz on the line darren smith and gary o'brien two legends lads how are you what's network are well it could r could be anything right it could be race it could be rally rally it could be a hill climb it probably just started what, out as it probably just started out as Rolly though, and then like I got sick of network. Well, it wasn't originally network Rolly, but I gave up on the Rolly and just went with the R. Uh, I left it a little mysterious. Roger could be Roger. I'll speak and, for both of us. We're so proud to be part of whatever network R is. Thank you. <laughs> now, awesome. Hey, so um, for those who haven't listened, the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast has been going now for 11 episodes, coming up to episode uh, number 12. It comes out every second Friday. And the guys have been speaking to uh, some of the unsung heroes or even some of the the sung heroes, I guess. Is that even the term, boys? I don't know. I'm not sure. But uh, some guys who have been around the sport for many, many years and helped shape the grassroots landscape and uh, given a lot of the amateur races or or aspiring races, uh, you know, someone to look up to. Uh, and many of the guys that you, you have spoken to, I'm thinking the Tony Riccidellos, I'm thinking the Darren Hossacks, the Paul Stokels, they've all made a mark in the sport, but, uh, you know, haven't necessarily gone on to be touring car champions, Bathurst 1000 winners, Formula One world champions, whatever the case. But um, Daz, for yourself, what do you uh, like the most out of uh, uh, speaking to some of these guys? Look, Gary and I had a bit of a list um, when you came to us with this and we submitted it to you and you said, no, no, we're not doing that. These are the ones we're going to talk to. <laughs> so uh, we got Tony Riccadello basically, I guess, because Gary and I called all the Carrick Sports Sedan races for 10 or 12 years um, and continue to do them with the Precision International Series, although uh, Tony hasn't been much of a part of that. Um to get a guy that's won so many national championships as our first show, you know, and and, and uh, we actually had to record it twice because the first time it didn't work. Um, that was tremendous to get Tony Riccadello on. I've got to say all of our guests have been great. We've had two blokes that could have gone to Formula One in Tim Macro and in Paul Stokel. And in Paul Stokel's case, he was there. He was in Europe sitting there waiting for the, the foam to dry and the seat pouring basically was where his career was going. Um, characters like Marcus Sakanovic, like that was ace. Matt Nolte, how how cool was last our last one? Talking to one of our great colleagues that we sit next to in the booth, we opened up and said, "Matt Nolte, how are you?" Sixty minutes later, we had a podcast and we just sort of had a couple of beers and enjoyed ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Hey, uh, Gaz, you've been uh, you've been there and done that at uh, so many racetracks as a journalist, uh, as a commentator. This is your first crack at podcasting. What do you reckon? 
I reckon it's gone fantastic. Uh, the feedback that I'm getting, the people that we talk to that say, well, can we be part of this? It's just been phenomenal and we just hope it continues. As far as I'm concerned, every two weeks we're going to be doing uh, a Napa Auto Parts grassroots racing podcast and that's it. I like it. Excellent. Now, you boys are doing a ripper job. Um, Darren, as you said, that Matt Nolte chat was fantastic. Couldn't believe how much he opened up about um, his personal life and uh, how deep his racing background is for for a relative young kid. You know, he's only, um, uh, what, just uh, just in his 40s or whatever. Just, so, just turned 40, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and he's done so much and he's overcome uh, various hurdles really just to get to do what he wants to do, get what he do, do what he loves to do. And that's uh, talk about race cars, which um, I think is something that the three of us have in common. So um, it's, a, hey, it's a corny thing to say, Grant, he's an inspiration, but you know, like James Taylor as well, that was another great interview. What an insight into being a supercars race director, but um, you know, like they, people from the outside go, where's this guy come from? He's just a flash in the pan overnight sensation sort of thing and it's like there's no way any of these people are flashing the pan or overnight sensation the, the work begins very early and um and that that's the path through you're not going to you know i'm in a situation at the moment where you're not going to knock these people out to get in there you're just going to have to prove your worth and hang in there and the time will come uh gaz i just spoke to richard crail just before and we we kind of previewed the Bathurst International. There was one class that we skipped over, the Australian Production Car Series. Now, that title goes down to the wire. I know that you follow that pretty close. They've got 45 cars entered. I'm yeah. guessing all of them are getting very ready for the Bathurst six-hour in what, unfortunately, is only a couple of months' time. Uh, don't tell Santa, but the Easter Bunny's coming right hard up on his uh, in his slipstream down Conrod there. Um, can and he's just, bringing uh, a 12-hour as well. <laughs> give us uh, give us just a, a, a little bit of a preview. Who's going to win the production car series this year? Well, I think the Russells are in the box seat with their BMW. The BMWs will dominate the front of the grid. But the whole production car thing is more about class racing and you don't have to be in the top class to actually win outright. It's all based on where you, how many's in your class and how you finish. I gather when we go to call the grid for, for Bathurst, we won't get through it. It'll be that there's that many cars lined up. We simply won't have time to get through the whole grid. We won't get through the whole grid throughout the races either. Only going for an hour each. It's uh, not a lot of time to uh, be on top of who's where and it's going to be busy, but you have to say the BMWs will be very strong there. Look for Beric Linton and Tim Lay to be very strong as well. They've got proven track records at Bathurst and any number of other uh, custodians of the uh, Bavarian Motorworks vehicles will be hard to beat. Chris yeah. Lewis. Can you tell me why the, um, why the BMW, why are they so dominant? Why is there not another brand of car or a make of car that can take it up to the BMWs and how long are we going to see this BMW domination in production car racing or even in uh, particularly the six hour, the uh, jewel in the crown? Well, it's not always about um, the BMW just walking away from it either. I mean, we've seen down at the bend of the weather conditions didn't really favor them all that well. And we've seen uh, what Grant said, Chris Lillis and Nathan Callahan in a HSV club sport win a race there in the wet, you know. So it's not always about that. But to answer your question about what will be a BMW, probably another BMW, um, there's a pretty hot Audi that no one's really chased up. There's an Alfa Romeo V8 uh, version of that car that would be very quick, but no one's really pursued anything else. And and let's face it, the four-wheel drive cars that are there are, are getting on in years. Mm, okay, cool. Well, uh, Gary, you said wet and you said uh, racetrack. So if it does rain at Bathurst, I am coming for you and uh, and I'm not going to be happy because I'm just almost sick of racetracks and and uh, poor weather. Well, well I guess we got 11 episodes of the Napa Grassroots Racing Podcast out before Grant sacked us. Well done, guys. I'm pretty sure I can find another co-host. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, we have been the drought breakers. We've done so for years. I can recall many years ago when we were at some race meeting. It might have been QR, actually, and it hadn't rained there for about three months. And the weekend we turned up, it was wet. So... <laughs> 
we are good for the land and environment, believe it or not. And other people might not tell you that. Yeah, no, that's right. Hey, boys, thank you so much. I'll uh, I'll let you boys get into uh, Napa Auto Parts grassroots racing uh, mode and uh, go and record another episode uh, there. Of course, you can check it out on all your favorite podcast platforms on um, yeah, Apple Podcasts, the Spotify's, wherever you like to find your podcast. There's a fair chance that the Napa Grassroots Racing Podcast will be there. Taz and Gaz, you're doing an awesome job. Thank you so much for uh, your continued efforts with it, and uh, we look forward to hearing the next episode. Thanks, Grant. Hey, hey Grant, have we just been on the Bob Jane T-Mart's Race Fuels Parked Up podcast? That's right. And oh, I've Gaz, got... We're somebody's now. We've, hey, we've made it. We're we've, there. And there's, and more, there's more space for some of those, uh, for uh, some more partners as well. Uh, you can DM me. Slide into my DMs. If you like, are you sharing sacred uh, sacred turf here with the great Mark Fogarty? So, um, yeah, Crikey. you're in rare air. Crikey. Well, I know we get an ad on Fogues, but that's about all. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks, thanks, boys. Listen, Thank you to Gaz and Daz from the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast and also thank you to Richard Crail as well. He's got his own podcast. Won't mention what the name of that is. But that is the Bathurst International well and truly previewed, really looking forward to getting up to the mountain to celebrate the brand new event, the fifth event for the famous Mount Panorama Circuit. It's taken a long time to get this one going, but uh, no more COVIDs and and no more stumbling blocks. The event is going to run. Uh, Looking forward to it. If you can't be there, of course, you can watch it on Stan Sport. Now, I've got one more uh, interview that uh, I didn't do. It was with my good network R pal, Heath McAlpine, and he grabbed Carl Cox. Now, of course, he is well known all around the world for being a famous DJ uh, and mixing his music and uh, pleasing everyone's ears uh, in every part of the world. But he's also a massive motor racing fan. He supports Tickford Racing in supercars. He also supports Michael Clemente in the TCR Australia Series. And he popped down to uh, the Melbourne Performance Centre recently where uh, Heath, my good buddy, bumped into him uh, and grabbed him for a chat. And he started the chat by asking why he supports Michael Clemente and, and what that means to him. So, Carl... Obviously, good to have, see this new car that they've got, and yeah. um, it looks bloody mean, doesn't it? Yeah, it's um, it, it's one thing about talking about the car and how how the perception of, of what you're thinking it is, but it's another thing actually coming down and actually seeing it and the work that's gone into it. And you know, Michael's already driven the car; he knows he's got it's got a bit of work to do, but also you know he's got to kind of relearn the car skills again on what he was driving from before to what he's driving now mm. and uh you know obviously you know things are different from from a honda perspective to an audi perspective but this is a challenge isn't it this is yeah. this is what racing is all about at the end of the day you challenge yourself uh, to become better at it and obviously the more seat time that he gets with the new car with the audi and then the, 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 obviously the more comfortable he'll be and more and faster he'll be but i don't think at the end of the day that you know for, for his perspective that he's driving uh, is, is something that we, we talk about. It's the bloody car, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's what's going to happen here. And that's what I think everyone is really, uh, you know, interested in seeing, you know, what kind of pace and performance that we can now pull out with the, with the Audi in, in place now. And tell me about your motorsport journey. I mean, you compete in drag racing and stuff, but where did that sort of uh, feeling come from of, you know, fast cars? Yeah, and- I've always been competitive, even when I was on, you know, the eye to a grasshopper, um, just on push bikes, you know, just, you know, I always had a push bike and then to put like, you know, uh, racing bars on and I always wanted to go around dirt tracks and be the fastest or if I was doing jumps, I always wanted to jump the furthest and that kind of stuff. It was installed in me from a very early age. I would say from about eight or nine years old, I've always wanted to race something and, and to, be, to be the best at it. And uh, when I passed my test um, in, in my uh, car back in the day, um, I had a little a 1600 Escort uh, Mark One, and um, I basically uh, was at college at the time for uh, uh, mechanical engineering, and I wanted to build my own uh, engine and mm-hmm. uh, to, to basically race it to be faster than it was. And uh, it did work for a little while, but I found that um, I, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> so I let everybody else kind of like, you know, do that work. And I just found out I could drive these things quite well, whether it's, you know, straight line speed or, or, or circuit racing. 
And you support a lot of guys. I, I know you support a lot of British superbike guys. Yeah. You were at ILT, Isle Isle of Man. TT, yeah. yeah. Isle of Man TT. I mean, the thing is, the Isle of Man TT was something that came about because I was supporting sidecar racing um, at least about 14 years ago. Um, and, and the team that I supported at the beginning was Smith & Shorter Racing, number 18, in, in New Zealand. And they were a really great team. And um, with these guys, I started my Colcos Motorsport uh, campaign with them yep. and uh, and they really wanted to race their sidecar uh, in the Isle of Man TT and have the opportunity to do that so I was able to give them that opportunity to race and for the first two years uh, we went in out of a field of 42 uh, sidecar races and we came 11th from both both times so we knew that we had something good team good good uh, good machinery at the time and and, it, and things did get better as we went along with other teams as well but I also then got the uh, hankering for uh, supporting solo riders. So I suppose the most famous one for me is Michael Dunlop mm -hmm. and, uh, and from the Dunlop dynasty. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm sure that many people know of Joey Dunlop and, and Robert Dunlop and, and William Dunlop. And, and unfortunately, they've all passed. But, uh, but Michael, being the, the youngest one, is still racing and, and he's still looking for to, to be the king of the mountain. He's <laughs> still out there and, and he's got four Colcos Motorsport support from me. Yep. So uh, And with that, I also support other... Uh, TT riders as well, Connor Cummings, David Todd, uh, who, who this year has become the, uh, the world champion uh, racer for um, Ironman TT and for uh, British Superbike racing as well. So, yeah, it's you know me being involved, you know, makes people happy. You know, puts a smile on their face, and I'm very supportive on, on it, all aspects of all types of racing. But being here um, with the TCR racing and supporting Michael is really special for me um, to be able to do that. And, uh, and you can see we have a really good synergy between ourselves and, and a great understanding and a mutual respect for each other based on what we love about the sport. Yeah. And I think that that's quite rare in, 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 in a sense between someone that basically supports and someone that basically wants to race uh, uh, in a sense of that we're together, we're not separate here. It's not like I put a bit of money into him and then I see it. I put a bit of money into him because I want to see him develop the car, do well and get out there. You know, I mix up against the best of what's going on. And I like to see that, you know, if I'm cheering, it's not because, you know, I, I I mean, I would like to see myself race the car, but it's never going to happen. But, I, you know, I know that him and his family and the team and everyone around him want, want to see him do well, me included. And, and I think that that's, that, well, that's what this is all about at the end of the yeah. day. And, um, I mean, when are you going to get, get to a race? I mean, you haven't been to a race yet. I haven't been to one, no. I've been watching them, every one of them on TV, and as uh, much as I can. And, and just because of... Uh, um, other duties uh, based on what I do as a, as a DJ, as yeah, an artist, yeah, yeah. it's been very difficult to be able to do that. And also, I've been away overseas for the last seven months, so you know, I'll come back and it's the last race. <laughs> <laughs> like, go figure, you know. So, but for next year, you know, I can be able to change things quite a bit and uh, be able to make a lot of the races for next year. And you uh, went up to the Gold Coast as well and did some DJing up there. How'd you yeah. find that event? Yeah, so I, I actually did the. Uh, their, their last party 2019 before the pandemic and it was a really a great opportunity to go up there anyway to see the racing and, and also to be able to play music to people who really was interested to hear my music after the races and and because we had the, the two years away or nearly three years away I wasn't able to do that so to be able to go back and do it again um, people re, re missed it they, they absolutely missed the idea of me being around missed the idea of me you know, obviously being interested in the V8 supercar racing but also to be able to uh, play my part as a DJ as an entertainer to give people you know, the best party that I could give them from my own music perspective yep. and it, so it was a it was a great time had by all and, and to be able to go back to do that was absolutely fantastic after not being able to do it for so many years <laughs> yeah, I can imagine yeah I can imagine and I mean the event up there looked unreal on TV I was, I yeah. was unlucky not to go but right. you know um, how was it like just being back up there and partying well the thing is they, they really had a bad time with the weather a week before so they, <laughs> yeah, was, so they wasn't yeah. sure it was like it, down here yeah <laughs> it was really raining you know they wasn't sure if it was going to have the same type of weekend but uh, it, it, the Gold Coast turned it on you know the, the sun came out you know, the track, the track was dry as you like, you know, it was, um, you know, everyone came out, you know, you had record crowds down there, you know, mm -hmm. everyone just seemed to be pretty positive and, and they, they want to see it back, you know, some people kind of, you know, moan about, you know, what's not happening with it mm -hmm. because it's got boring and this, that and the other. 
when I went down there, it wasn't boring at all. It was actually fun and exciting and electric. And the racing was fantastic, as you can mm. clearly see. So, you know, everyone did their very best to, to put on a great show. And, uh, and I think that they did a really great job. And you um, also have a little bit of um, an association with Tickford as well in yes. that series too. Yeah, I do, because for the last two years I was, you know, behind, had a sticker on... on um, Cam Walters car, and I still support the right him as well. Have on it. Yeah, <laughs> no, on it. yeah, and I love and I love Mustangs, mm -hmm. you know, and I love the development of Mustangs, and even where they're going today with the new one we're rolling out pretty soon. Um, I have uh, quite a few classic Mustangs myself, and I've got a Bullet Mustang, I've got a I've got a, a, a nineteen sixty five Coupe Mustang a drag car, and I've got nineteen sixty seven fastback drag car, and all sorts of Mustangs, and, and so I really enjoy seeing you know Cam really take it to them. I mean, unfortunately, he's been on a bit of a back foot this year. But he was always there or thereabouts, so it's only a matter of time where you know he gets his moment for sure. Yeah. And drag racing as well. Like, uh, what what's your sort of sphere in that? I don't know you drive. Yeah. So what are you driving, and uh, you know how have you been going? Yeah. So there's two two elements to my drag racing. Um, the, the, uh, I, I built a um, a radial uh, drag car from a, from a Mark One um, Ford Capri. We've got a single turbo. Uh, dandy engines and uh, it's about 200, 2,200 horsepower. So the fastest I've got, got out of that on a quarter mile is 6.8 seconds at 207 miles an hour. Yeah, but Mark 1 Mark 1 Capri is like, it's unheard of, but it happens and here I am doing that. Um, but then I've got, I've got myself into a Pro Mod. Pro Mod is, is, is a car which basically developed from the, U, from the US. Uh, and I, uh, NHRA have basically sanctioned to have Pro Mod racing in, in, uh, in America, of which uh, I've adapted to. And I've been basically I bought uh, my first Pro Mod over from the US and drove that car here in Australia. And the fastest I got, got in that was a 5.9 seconds at 252 miles an hour so it's a lot different to my radial car which runs on the 8th but the thing is is that the, I wanted to go faster and the only way to do that was to basically get myself into a pro mod it's a massive jump as you can imagine between the two cars but I, but I do like radial racing on the 8th and I do like quarter mile racing with big tyre and, and what's next for you what tours have you got going on and uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, what what uh, what tools you got going, and where are you off to next? Yeah, so now um, I've got a couple more parties before the end of the year, and then that's me done. I'm actually going to be meeting my new uh, pro mod uh, car being built at the moment uh, in the shape of a 1970 Cuda. Um, I'm going to go over to a place called Bradlington uh, in the US to uh, check the car down. If it's all feeling really good and I'm getting a lot of seat time and I'm happy with it, then I'll bring that car over to Australia to do a, to have my campaign here in Australia through 400 Funder Series. Um, that seems been a place where it really suits well for me to be into um, and then I've got a, a few parties that I will be doing next year uh, called uh, the Mobile Discos if you do and another an event called Pure which uh, we've been running now uh, for the last eight years so they're the, they're the events that, that are up and coming uh, for next year uh, for me to be able to get back out there and DJ to the masses once again <laughs> uh, for next year. Fantastic, no, no dramas. Thank you, Carl Cox, and thank you, Heath. That's another episode of the Parked Up Podcast Run and One. Uh, thanks for listening. Of course, you can hear all and more on Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Every Monday, 5 p.m., he'll bring you the latest news and views, supercars, Bathurst International, all the things that are going on all around the world in motorsport. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, I've given the uh, Napa Auto Parts grassroots racing podcast enough of a plug i'll give it one more uh that's every second friday and they've got one coming out uh this week as well so uh search that up on your favorite podcast platforms my name is grant Rowley. thanks for joining us you hear from us soon you've just listened to another network car production 